0: Welcome, welcome, to, welcome our to our online this service week's today. My name is Leah. Podcast. And I work at the church. It's wonderful that you could join us I actually us for this have week's the privilege teaching. of speaking to you I'll explain a little bit more about who we about are at the end, but Jesus. for now, let's jump so right in. I know that over the past few years, Joel's been talking a lot about Jesus. And so today, we're going to dive in a little more and talk a lot about more of who he is as a human being. And uh, hopefully, we'll get some uh, revelation more about who this Jesus is as we go along. So first of all, I wanted to say often we look at the Bible. So when we we go to the Bible, we think that often scripture is is more of uh, trying to solve our sin problem. But I think one of the big questions that, that scripture is actually addressing in the whole story of God is that who we are as humans is really the main question that the Bible actually answers. And we'll get more into that when we look at Jesus's life. So we're going to start back in Genesis just to give a little bit of a background about God and who he is as the Trinity. But we're going to zoom forward to the life of Jesus and we'll spend most of our time there. Okay, so let's begin. I'm going to tell you a lot of stories today, by the way, and I'm going to ask you a lot of questions. So I hope that this gets you a little bit thinking and stirred up. So let's start back in Genesis. In the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? So it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there's 3 but there's 1. God is 1. And it's there that Father, Son and Holy Spirit have a dream in their heart at some particular time they've always been but at a particular time they decide it's time to start creating. So they take this world of chaos and its kind of messiness, you know, it's like it's um it's very much a world of let's say we could use the word It's formless. And so different scriptures talk about that being formless and void. And so Father, Son, and Holy Spirit begin to create this dream that they have. So they begin with the sky. Well, they first they say let there be light. And then they start separating light from light and water from water. And they start creating and they start naming things sky and they start naming things land and they start naming things the sea. And then in this in this story, um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are like, okay, so now it's time to create some vegetation, like trees, and and uh, what about trees, you know, with fruit, and what about trees, what, what about plants, you know? So obviously they're planning for something, and they continue in their creation in in this lovely relationship that they have, both universe, they're, they're completely unified, and they're completely diverse, but they're together in this, and so they're creating, and so next thing, you know, they're creating the stars, so they're taking this cosmos that is like, you know, formless, and empty, and void, and they're, the stars come into being, you know, and we start seeing now that there's galaxies that show up, and the moon, and then from there, they go on to well, let's create some animals, like how exciting, you know, big ones and small ones and wild ones and, and, and the birds and, you know, let's do lots of birds and let's not just one kind of bird and let's do, you know, not just kind of one kind of fish. And finally, they get to the point where Father, Son and Spirit create man and woman in their image and in their likeness. And this is like the culmination of the whole story. So they're creating for so many days in a row. And all of a sudden now it's it's time to create in their image and likeness. And so man and woman become the image of God. And the whole idea is that the image of God is supposed to be where we are, are God's image bearers to the world. And they set us in this garden. That's this garden of Eden. So they took it from this place of of formlessness and and void and darkness and and all of that and now it's light and it's flourishing and these humans these humans become fully alive fully alive not only fully alive they fully alive in in God in in the presence of Father Son and Holy Spirit but they begin to create they begin to do what God was doing and God says to them. I want to give you authority to rule over certain things. So the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and you can rule over all the animals on the earth, and I want you to create like we created. And and that was their place in Eden. And they were to go out from there and to continue to create with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that was to be what humans were to do. But then, obviously, something terrible happened. And... They chose to take their identity from Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they placed it in a lie. And so they began to eat from this tree. So the tree instead of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I mean, they ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. And sin entered the world. And this is where we see the flourishing image bearer of God that was fully alive. And all of a sudden they became more bent, almost inward, almost inward looking. And they were separated and they were separated from him. So they were removed from the garden and this is the story that we are part of today. So we start back in Genesis, but I want us to zoom forward because our focus today is on Jesus and his humanity. But I want you to see that Jesus, (laughs) he came from somewhere, okay? So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the beginning. And now Jesus enters into the story a few thousand years later. So after all of this history that we see of of the people of God, of them doing right and wrong, and of us learning from our mistakes, and, and the sin that has caused us to be so separate, now Jesus enters onto the scene and this is where I love I love to talk about Jesus okay so i think that when we look at Matthew Mark Luke and John we just need a new perspective it's almost like we need new glasses because i think we often come to know god even if we don't know god we have all a preconceived idea of who god is and that comes through culture and our family and many different things that we learn throughout our lives but this Jesus comes on the scene, as you know, and you've heard the Christmas story, many of you, <clears throat> where he is born from a Virgin Mary, and he grows up as a kid, as any other kid. Okay, but really, when we look at all of the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's only, really, there's only like 30, well, he's, he's alive for 33 years, And really, the Bible only talks about 100 days of his actual journey on earth. Okay, so if you calculate 33 years, you can look at the fact that 11,000 approximately and 900 days, we don't know what Jesus was doing. Okay, so this is where I want to start asking you questions now. So for example, he's born... He's a baby. <laughs> does he need to be fed? Yes. <laughs> uh, does he need his diapers changed? Whether they had diapers or not, they somehow they needed to change Jesus. He is fully human. Okay, so yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. But he had brothers and sisters. How did he interact with them? How did he interact with his mom and dad, Mary and Joseph? You know, like he's a kid growing up, like any kid. And I can just imagine him. You know, he's outside running around and like all of us, we trip, we fall, we hurt our knee, we scrape it and he's in pain, right? He's experiencing pain because often, I don't know about you, but I would think then my brain and how I would see Jesus or God, that he he definitely doesn't experience pain because he's God, right? So anyways, so what about like, is is he funny? Like is do you realize he has an aunt, like he has cousins, he's, you know, I'm thinking of me, I have an aunt, a couple aunts and cousins, and I'm thinking, I can relate to this kind of God, because now, we're entering into the story, so he is fully God, yet fully human, okay, so often, you might be wondering why I'm wearing this Superman shirt, well, because often, for me, growing up in church, which I did my whole life, Jesus was a superhuman. So he was Superman to me. So, and not only was he Superman, but I needed to be a superwoman because uh, obviously I need to be like this. But he was fully, he was only God to me. I didn't know him as human. So I'm getting to know Jesus more and more as an actual human and how he can identify with me. So, what was he doing for 11,900 days? I'm thinking he's growing up. So he would need to eat, sleep. He would need to change his clothes. He, he, Jesus went to the bathroom. You know, he's human. Um, Jesus would have had to, I don't know if they had a, a way to brush their teeth back then, but he would have had to clean himself somehow. Um, he would have had to grow. He would have had to learn. He would have had to go to school. So even all the Jewish kids at that particular time they had to learn the five, the five books of Moses, which is the Torah. They had to learn, memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy in the Bible by a young age. So he's learning. He's growing. He's got friends. Um, he's, he's fully human. <laughs> so um, at what point, my question, so another question for you is, at what point did he go, hmm, I wonder if I'm the Messiah? You know, like, at what point? You know, he's 10 years old. We Next, we hear about him in Scripture. He's 12 in Luke chapter 2. He's in. He's actually hanging out in the temple, talking to these teachers. And his mom and dad, you know, cruise, cruise down the road for days. So at that time, obviously, they don't have cars. They walk from town to town. His mom and dad, obviously, there's a gr- big group of people, probably lots of aunts and uncles, cousins. You know, they're all going down the road. And uh, they realize Jesus is not with them. He's 12. So they come on back and they're like, okay, this is three days later. Jesus has been missing. Um, You can just hear Mary going, "Um, hello, Uh, why haven't you been following? You know, like we thought you were with us. Like, what the heck are you doing? And he's like, this is where um, I love this statement because he just goes, do you not know that I'm about my father's business? I'm doing my father's business here. Like, he's 12. So at some point, I'm thinking he's already wrestling with maybe his calling or what it is that he's to be doing here on planet Earth. And so from there, we can jump. Obviously, we know from Scripture that he was a carpenter. He worked with his hands. Uh, It says that he had great favor with both God and man. Both people liked him. Like, he was likable. It's this guy, you know, working in whatever the village People come to him, you know, they need a table or chairs made or he's, he's, a, he's working with his hands. And that's who Jesus was. And at the age of 30, another story is that he's, he's now led into the desert by the Spirit. So the desert shows up all over scripture, but he's led into this desolate place, almost like from the beginning in Genesis, where it's formless and kind of empty and void and not nice and not flourishing and he spends 40 days and 40 nights there getting tempted by the devil. And it was from that place where he did not give in to the temptation of the world or the devil, but he actually was filled with the spirit and he began his ministry. So for three years, he comes out of this desert and he starts calling people. So he starts calling these disciples. And I want to talk about the disciples because he starts calling them. And not only that, but he starts healing people. And these are the stories that right there are, that we can read in the, the first four chapters of the New Testament. And so he, like any other teacher or rabbi at the time, right? Because it's Jewish. There's a lot of rabbis that call students. Okay. So this Jesus is now coming on the scene. You know, he's talking to these fishermen and he's like, hey man, why don't you guys follow me? And for some reason, they decide to put down their nets, and they started following Jesus. And this is, I love this, because not only that, but like for me, Jesus being this God person that I grew up with, I had to actually learn for him to be my friend. And then I had to learn that he is my healer not just my savior, but I had to to learn that he's actually human, not only just God, but he's also human. And so my perspective is that Jesus is this God person, right? He's this God, he's God. But the disciples at the time that they were with him, this is what I love, because they would have seen him first as master, as teacher, as their teacher. And then they would have gone from that to oh, wow, Jesus is actually hanging with us. You know, he's, he's actually my friend. He's our friend. And then they go to, yeah, he's actually our healer. But it's not till after the resurrection of Jesus, not till the end of the Jesus part of the story of his humanity on earth, that they realize that he's actually God. So it's such a flip for us, isn't it? Like for me, I think Jesus is God. That's all I grew up with. And now I'm learning that he's actually human. And for these disciples, it's brilliant because they only know him as human. You know, they caught fish with him. They ate with him. They walked along the road with him. They talked with him. They laughed with him. They probably told jokes together. I mean, they know him, this Jesus, as fully human. They don't know him as God yet. So let's continue with our story, okay? So the disciples right here, the disciples, I love this story, in John chapter 14, where, okay, I'm going to say, so they're, they're hanging out somewhere, and Jesus says, first of all, Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus says back to him, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me? come on philip do you not know me whoever has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father so it's almost like jesus is kind of going i'm hanging out with you guys i'm your friend and you guys don't know me yet so they're wanting to see they're wanting to see the father because remember from from these guys they've been waiting for the messiah for thousands of years of course and now they're hanging out with this rabbi and they're like hey, can you show us the father? So I love Jesus. I think he might've been a little irritated at this point, like kind of like really, like you've been with me for so long and you haven't seen the father. Okay. So another point in the story, <clears throat> it's right, right after this, Jesus says to them, <clears throat> who do you say that I am? And I this is great because of course, they start answering, well, you know, everyone thinks that you might be Elijah, or everyone thinks that you might be John the Baptist, or another kind of prophet from the Old Testament. You know, you, you might, I don't know, you might be someone like that. And Jesus looks at them and says, My friends, you know, who do you say that I am? And this is when Peter, you know, this Peter, he's, he's uh, probably the oldest of the disciples at the time, and he's definitely the boldest. He's, he's got that kind of personality, and he goes, I think you're the Christ, the Messiah. You're the Christ, the son of God. And the Messiah, like you have to understand the Messiah, the actual word Messiah that they are waiting for means the king. So all of a sudden, (laughs) Peter just comes up with this. You are the king. You're the Christ. And this one that we've been waiting for that's going to come and rescue us, you know, probably with a great army. And you're going to come and rescue us probably from the hands of the Romans at the time. And Jesus says to you, wow, okay, whoa, that's good, you're right. And, and the only person that could have revealed that to you is the Father. Because at the moment, they didn't even have a framework. They didn't have a framework for Jesus, for Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Trinity. You know, like for us, we could go, oh yeah, Jesus, he's the second person of the Trinity, you know, he's the Son. And for them, they, they know nothing about this. All they know is they're waiting for this Messiah and they're talking to the rabbi. So he, Jesus starts changing their framework. And it was right after that, too, that Jesus says, well, hey, listen, yeah, I am the Messiah. Please don't tell anyone that I'm the Christ. But um, I just want to tell you what's going to be happening with me in the days to come. So he predicts his death, and he goes, listen, I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to, be, um, I'm going to die. And uh, at this point, you can see probably Peter, if you just visualize this with me. Peter pulls Jesus aside and says to him, Um, no, that's not gonna happen to you. Nope, that is absolutely not gonna happen to you, Jesus. You know, you're amazing, you know, it's all good. It's not it's not gonna happen. And of course, Jesus at this point, who is the Messiah in flesh and blood, he comes and he's answering this question of what are we here for? And who are we? And who are we meant to be? And in his humanity, he says to Peter, he goes, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, so right there, first of all, you know that Peter doesn't know that he is the Christ, even though he just said it with his head, with his mouth, but he doesn't know in here that he is the son of God. And so Jesus rebukes him. After Peter rebukes Jesus. And uh, because any Jewish person at that time, they're not going to be rebuking the son of God, Yahweh, you know, like the one that they've been waiting for. And so Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And I mean, talk about a bad day. Like that would be, for me, that would be such a bad day. Like, ooh, I don't think I'll be asking Jesus that again or saying that to Jesus. And so what he ends up doing is he predicts, predicts his death. He says, get behind me, Satan. And... And at this point, I think they're all wondering, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Um, So I want to read a scripture. So in the book of Colossians, Paul tells us, in Colossians 1, he tells us that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, and he is the firstborn over all creation. Okay, so why can Jesus say, when you've, to his disciples, when you have seen me, you have seen the father. It's because the father and him are one. And this is interesting too. So in Colossians 2, Paul talks to us about the fact that all of the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. So all the fullness of God dwells in Jesus's human body all the fullness of God. So I love this. uh, There's a quote by this composer. I don't know if he uh, knows Jesus at all or knew Jesus. He died in 1993. His name was Anthony Burgess. And um, he made this, he made this quote. um, He said this at one point and he said, if God is like Jesus, God is worth believing in. And I'll say that again. If God is like Jesus, God is worth believing in. This is, this is good news. Because often, like I said, we have this vision of God where he's way out there and he's so foreign to us and he's so big and he's like, why would God even have you know anything to do with me? And now we've got God coming in the person of Jesus and he's fully God and he's fully human. And he begins to identify with us in our humanity. So in Hebrews 1, so again, so long time ago, it says long ago, Hebrews 1, 1, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So the Old Testament by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. By his son. Okay, so I wanna wanna tell you, well, I can tell you right now that my my faith has increased to follow Jesus more and more when I realize that he identifies with me and my humanity. So he's not just this far off superhero Jesus. So let me just tell you two more stories before we end. So in Matthew 14, okay, I love this. He is, well, first of all, he's feeding the 5000 like you do. So there's a huge crowd. Okay, so picture this. Huge crowd, He says to his disciples, you know, they're done for the day, you know, like you do, done for the day. He says to his disciples, why don't you go across the lake, you know, get in your boat, go across the lake, and basically I'll meet you on the other side, right? So these disciples, yeah, okay, okay, rabbi, I'm going. They go out in the lake, and they're in a boat, and they're out there, and the winds are going crazy, and it's getting a bit bumpy, but they're way out. And uh, Jesus dismisses the crowd, and he goes up to pray to his father for a bit. And then he realizes, hey man, the boat is pretty far out. You know, it says in scripture, the boat's pretty far out there. And uh, so he begins to walk on the water, you know, like you do. And uh, the reason why I'm telling this story is because actually in, in, well, we're talking out of Matthew at the moment, but in the Gospel of Mark, it actually says that Jesus was walking on the water and he meant to pass by his disciples. Like he was gonna just pass them on by, like, you know, where are you going, Jesus? You know, where are you? Where are you going? Um, out for a stroll? You know, like, what are you doing? Where was? He, where was he going? And so he ends up. Obviously, the disciples notice that there's this man walking on the water, and they're freaking out, right? Because they think it's a ghost. He's a ghost. And Jesus goes, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, 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 no! I'm not a, I'm not a ghost. It's me. It's me. It's Jesus. You know, like." Chill out, and uh, and of course Peter at this point, and you might have heard this story, but Peter goes, "Wow, Messiah or Lord, is that really you? Like, uh, you know, Rabbi, is that really you?" And he says, "Yeah." And he goes, "If it's you, then tell me to come." And so obviously uh, Peter, you know, listening to his rabbi like a good Jewish boy would, uh, he goes, "Okay." And Jesus says, "Well, come, come on, come on, man, get out of the boat. Let's go. Come on." So he gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water. And I'm going to pause there for a moment. He starts walking on the water. Okay, so normally we focus on this part of the story where we go, oh, but then he doubted, you know, and he began to sink, and isn't it nice that Jesus saved him because, you know, he was afraid because the winds came up and the water was, you know, crashing in, and yeah, no, 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 but I want to focus on this for a moment. He actually walked on the water. (laughs) Okay. Now remember superhero Jesus, remember they don't know him as God yet. They know him as human Jesus that they eat with and sleep with and have a good time with and yeah. And so this human Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter gets out of the boat and begins to do the same. Why? Because you want to be like your master. You want to be like the one that you are learning from. And, of course, the way that, that it worked back in those days is that you wanted to even do greater things that your rabbi did. And so there's this moment with Jesus and Peter, and, of course, Peter sinks, and they go back to the boat, and, of course, at this moment, then they go, <gasps> Oh my gosh. So their eyes were slightly open. Yes, you must be the Messiah. You must be the Son of God. Okay. So hold that. Now, the reason why Peter could get out of the boat and walk on the water is because there was another human doing the exact same thing. Because they didn't know him as God yet. There was another human doing the same thing. And he's like, okay, rabbi, if you're doing this, I'm coming. I'm all in. Like, talk about good news. So there's a couple of quotes I want to just give you. So Arrhenius was an early church father. And I love this because he said, he quoted, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. I'll say it again. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. So another way to say it is if we go back to Genesis 1, you know, uh, we are fully alive because we're made in his image and we are his image bearer to the world, okay? And then Athanasius, another early church father, I love this. He be, this is what he says. He became, meaning Jesus, he became what we are to make us what he is. Okay, I'll say that again. He became what we are to make us what he is. And so I can't I can't be Jesus, right? I can be Leah, but I can I can learn to live like Jesus lived. And we'll get there in a minute, but I want to tell you one more story before we go there. So there are two great gardens in history, at least that I see. I mean, there's a lot of really beautiful gardens around the world. But the great ones are Eden, which we already talked about in Genesis, okay? Which is actually North Africa and part of the Middle East, like it's actually a place here on planet Earth. And the other one was Gethsemane. It's hard to say that, Gethsemane. Um, and in Mark chapter 14, I do want to read this because this is Jesus' last days on Earth. And he's, um, he's hanging out with his friends and he takes them to this garden, okay? And this is, this is what he says. So, And they went to this place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to greatly distress and be troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. So he's saying to his closest friends on earth, sit with me. Would you even pray with me? Like I'm, I'm, You know, and Jesus starts to begin to suffer because at this place, he he is so stressed that he's actually, he's actually sweating blood, which there's a good medical term for that, but we won't go into that. But he's sweating blood because he's so stressed. And he keeps going back to these friends that are close to him on earth. And he keeps going, oh my gosh, can't you stay awake? Like, can you not stay with me? Can you not pray with me? Can you not watch with me? I'm about to die here. And this is the place where I kind of go, do we not think that Jesus can identify with us? He was so vulnerable, vulnerable with his, first of all, his disciples, his friends, and his closest friends. And he started suffering, you know. And so I I start thinking about us today in, in my own life, you know. Have I ever been afraid of physical harm? Yeah, I mean... Traveling around the world and in different times, yeah, I've been afraid. Jesus understands what that feels like. Have I ever been afraid of death and what follows? Yeah, I've been afraid of death, and I still am some days. But Jesus understands what it is to be afraid of death. Not, not only die, but to be afraid of it. We're afraid of just some of the big hurdles or obstacles that we have in front of us. Like Jesus understands our humanity because he was fully human. And he, he got to the point where he chose the cross um, because he trusted his father. And it's interesting because he actually, when he, he was beaten and he was crucified and he died, but when he rose again and he came back to his friends, his disciples, at first they didn't recognize him. But then they realized that he answered the question that we started with, like, what are we here for? What are humans here for? Because in Matthew 28, this is one of the big popular, popular, popular um, scripture verses in all of the New Testament. But he says to his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And he says to them, go ye therefore, go, and make disciples of your neighborhoods, your communities. Your Go make disciples of the nations and teach them to observe everything that I have shown you, everything that I have commanded you. So I'm giving you this. And I love this because remember how we started with the Trinity? We started with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit at the beginning. So this is where it enters again. So he trusts the Father. He goes to the cross. He endures the suffering we can identify with him, he can identify with us, and then it gets to the point where he can now leave us on planet earth because he goes to the right hand of the Father at his after resurrection and his ascension. He goes there and the Holy Spirit comes. So, the reason why we can identify with Jesus and we can be like him is not because we're trying to be a superhero like God. <laughs> but we're we're becoming like him on how he lived on planet Earth, how he talked with people, how he walked with people, how he looked at people, how he prayed for people, how he healed people and prayed for them in Jesus' name. We can do that. And the Holy Spirit came, and the rest of the story is amazing because Jesus obviously became the true image bearer that brought us back from separation. And now he becomes this true image bearer. And then he sends the Holy Spirit so that we can be image bearers today with him. And he prays for us and he's with us. And the Holy Spirit is who empowers us to to do the things that we do each and every day. To notice people. So I want to leave you with this. We are his image bearers. Jesus did not come to make us less human, but he came to make us more human, that Leah could be fully Leah. I'm not going to be ever Jesus, but I can be like Jesus, but I can be fully me and alive like they were in the garden back before sin entered. And this is our promise. This is our hope. And so I wanted to just say to you today, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son and in, in the name of the Holy Spirit. May this life with Jesus be yours forever. And may you continue to grow and learn from him like I am each and every day. So I wanted to say two things. If you don't know Jesus, please email me or Joel if if you want to know more about who he is. This would be brilliant. This would be brilliant. If you don't, if you just want to know who who he is a little more, what we can tell you about him. Also, if you don't have a Bible, like we're giving out Bibles at the moment, but you can read about him and his life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's a great place to start. If you don't know him, um, yeah, we, we're giving out Bibles, so just let us know. Email us. And I just want to pray for us as we end today. So, Jesus, I just want to thank you that you are alive and that we are alive because of you and that we can become more fully alive. Um, as people that that can bear your image or show your image to the world around us, that people would actually see you more, Jesus, because because of who you are in us. And so I just want to pray for my friends today, especially those that might not know you, that you would just give them more and more of yourself, that they would see you in a different way like I have in recent years. Just, whoa, not only God, but you're fully human. Help us to um, come to you with anything that we have because we understand that you can identify with us and who, who we are as humans. And so I just pray you would bless my friends today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and that truly our lives would be more and more enriched because of who you are. And not only that, but we would be able to show you with our friends that they would know you too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listening to our podcast today. We hope that you are encouraged by what you just heard. Just so you know a little bit more about who we are, hashtag for Paris, our church is about creating a culture that shows people that we are for them and for our local community. Jesus invites us to experience a meaningful life with him and others. So we meet every Sunday morning in person at the Paris Presbyterian Church at 1030 a.m. and throughout the week in various home groups and pubs here in Paris. It is here that we experience authentic relationships and we grow deep in our faith journeys together. If you would like to connect with us further, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it is here that you can find links to any of our other audio and video podcasts, sermons, and you can track with what's happening with us each month. Please go straight to our website for more information now about our home groups and how you can get involved. Our website is parispres.ca. Yes, that's right, parispresb. P R E S B.ca.